We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Alex Gator Grapplin Gibson and Sean Normal Nash. How's it going, guys? Feels good to be in the presence of a, a real a real man like real Alex over there. Damn right, Alex. Holla, why don't we just, holla, holla. Why don't we just start with talking about your manhood? Yeah, I uh, this weekend <laughs> wrestled a gator, and I believe in the photo, it's hard to see the size of him. I think he was probably 12, 13 feet. Sounds right. Uh, something like that. A couple hundred pounds. Um just a just a real mammoth of an of an animal, and I'll uh, we can post that on the on our story so that people can see just how truly large it was. The testosterone pumping out of you. It's just yeah, I'm just uh, aggro, you know. So um, true. Alpha. I was really proud uh, proud of uh, the opportunity that I had, and even more proud of the caption that I put on that photo, uh, which was just an apex predator holding an alligator. Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, so for those of you that aren't familiar, Alex has a fascination with alligators. Where did this start? It's gross. Uh, I wish I could tell you. I mean, I feel like I just watched like those old like gator rescue shows back in the day on Animal Planet. And so, wow, <laughs> these are just giant water cats, you know? You thought wrestling them would be better than rescuing them. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love wrestling and love alligators. So Match made in like, heaven level when my passions come together don't you know what's going to happen you know steve Irwin's story a stingray hey, going hey. to pierce you that man's a national hero in my in my heart okay <laughs> don't don't you dare well i called sean normal because he and i both are in agreement that this is a terrible idea and it's going to reduce our uh podcast to two members by the end of this trip we don't we don't mess Guardian. with alligators or snakes or crocodiles nothing nothing scaly I've uh, I've already taught Chris how to edit the podcast, so I'm kind of I don't I'm not needed at this point. <laughs> we keep you around because we like you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for streaming this very special episode. Uh, if you'd like to continue to support the podcast, please give us a five star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your shows. Please continue to support the show by sharing the podcast with fellow wrestling fans. And you can follow us at Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast. And finally, visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com. Sean, uh, let's give the folks at home a uh, preview for the show today. What's the outline? Today we're dealing with a pretty uh, pretty normal week. We've got our match of the week, moment of the week, news item of the week. Something that was pretty cringy, and then leave you off with what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks and tournaments to come. Awesome. So let's jump right ahead into our matches of the week. Um, Sean, let's start off with you. What was your match of the week? I think my match of the week has to be the CM Punk John Silver match. Uh, just fun all around him coming in in the, uh, the New York Islanders jersey to start. Even him gets booed no matter no matter what happens in Long Island or whatever the hell, New Jersey, New York town they're in. Um, John Silver puts on a great show, and he's pretty much like the ultimate Mighty Mouse. Anything he does, he can do it all, but it's just not enough because he's so damn small and just doesn't doesn't really put up to the, uh, the big heavyweights in the division. Single-handedly, I feel like this kind of was the perfect transition for CM Punk to turn heel. Clearly, the, the most dastardly thing you can do is steal someone else's finisher, especially when they're right there at commentary watching on the monitor. Good for him for watching the monitor. But I, not, the, not the greatest uh, buckshot lariat, but 
did its job. Yeah. I, I loved the the aftermatch sag, the perfect fuck you middle finger. I this just really got me hyped up for Double or Nothing. I think it's going to be a great match from what we've uh, we've all been waiting for. Finally, of CM Punk getting that uh, that title shot. Uh, what did you guys think about it, Alex? I had it as my match of the week, and I kind of struggled this week to have a true match of the week. There's just nothing that stood really, out. truly stood out to me. And what made it the match of the week for me was the ending and then the segment that tied into it as well. Seeing Punk use the uh, buckshot lariat to finish John Silver there. Um, there was an unfortunate botch right before the end, too, that just stands out so much to me. I rewatched the uh, match today, and I felt mm-hmm. the same way. So it's right when... Um, First, John Silver goes for the spinning uh, DDT from the second rope. He gets countered and then it goes and does it again. And he jumps onto the second rope and slips and Punk kind of like helps set him back up. It really takes me out of that moment Hmm. uh, because it's clear that he's helping him there. Um, But what are you going to do? It was kind of going right into the finish for the match. Um, But yeah, I think that that was kind of what made it stand out for me was that finish there. I think John Silver is one of those guys that... Uh, same thing with Cesaro, uh, who hopefully is going to be coming, you know, soon to AEW. Uh, he's always such a great hot tag, or always has that great moment where he just hits a couple of quick kicks and, and things like that, and just kind of goes off. Has a brain buster, has just some sort of like a quick segment in, within a match uh, where he just kind of goes off, and he makes you think that there's a chance that he could win, even though, like you said, he's Mighty Mouse. He's very small, especially compared to uh, most giant wrestlers. So. Uh, I just, I loved that part where they had a near fall punk coming out and trolling the fans and a Jonathan Tavares Jersey, since he's on the Maple Leafs now, that was great. I love that punk is just a heel in long Island at this point. And, uh, just overall, it was a, it was a good match for me, um, in a, in a week that didn't really stand out with anything great. Chris, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought this match was interesting. I mean, they, uh, like you mentioned, Punk came out to the heel reaction. He's making sure that in Bizarro World, he's always the heel and MJF is the baby face. So him coming out first just cements that gives them the response that they want. Uh, John Silver can work the crowd and they do. They, they both are masters at working the crowd in their uh, different ways. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was a three-star match. It wasn't bad. It wasn't awesome. It just was good kept the storyline moving and i love this intensity that you see in hangman uh i like that he's not a chicken shit he's he really feels like stone cold steve austin without the beer drinking ironically of all people <laughs> like it's kind of weird to say that but it's like sort of his like character now he's this guy that never backs down if you watch his i know we talk about footwork a lot sometimes on like okay what the fuck does that mean and uh, professional wrestling, but he's always going towards someone. He's never backing mm-hmm. away. He's always aggressive. Uh, and he showed his aggressive side here. And I don't know who's going to be the heel or the face in this feud. And sometimes that can tank a storyline, but it looks like they're going in a positive direction and that it's getting hype to this match. And hopefully they'll add more to it on Wednesday. I'm, I'm glad again, we got Alex around because man, I am not the uh, hockey aficionado. Did not catch that. It was a, Tavares and he's even in Toronto but it's cool that Punk's kind of just been just teasing all the uh, all his matches with different styles Lucha styles uh, throwing back to Bret Hart matches um, his MMA style and now just in this match is kind of to me coming off as much more of just a heelish dickhead just perfect how he's been always throwing something into a, a new match 
Happy to add value for you here, Sean. Uh, and also just wanted to touch on what Chris just said there about the un- still being uncertain on who's the heel and who's the face in this matchup. I think that that's re- really kind of an intriguing part of this buildup for me right now is seeing who it ends up being or do we even not really truly find out who it is until match time when, when the bell rings and we kind of see who's acting like what. So I think that that's just kind of an interesting twist because it's not something we see very often. And I think we may not know who's going to be the heel or the face if they go the route of for Forbidden Door, they have an AEW title defense that's in-house and a New Japan title defense that's in-house, meaning like it's um, Punk versus Hangman and then Okada versus Jay White on the pay-per-view and they have both promotions defending against their own clan. Um, Maybe you hold off on Punk winning the title to Forbidden Door. I don't like that, but... Anyways, we'll see. Fuck it. It's a great storyline. I'm excited by it. So you guys don't feel that CM Punk's really coming in the heel here? This, in this moment. This week he did. Okay. Yeah, this week he did. But last week it was Hangman. Yeah. So yeah. really, and and I think you had to lean into it with Punk this week because it was Long Island. So it kind of all made sense for it to be him. Okay. Um, Fair point. Fair point. But I just like the aggression that they're both coming at each other. They're not afraid of each other and they just don't want the other guy to win and they don't give a shit and they care about winning the title and being the champion. So I like that. Yeah. All right. Speaking of shit that I liked, let's go into my match of the week. Adam Cole versus our uh, podcast favorite friend, Dax Harwood. Um, Hard luck for Harwood. (laughs) Uh, He got uh, injured in his ribs. Uh, He was kind of selling that right from the start, actually. When I watched it again, uh, second time around, he took a just knee in the bread basket, but he sold that a little bit more elevated. And then when he hit that spot, then he was selling his ribs throughout the whole uh, sequence and into the commercial break. Um, He wasn't able to lock in the sharpshooter effectively. And then that's when Adam Cole did it for the heat. And got the win on Dax. Um, I wanted to see Dax have a further run in the tournament, but I guess my men's bracket is still intact now that Adam Cole wins this. I thought this was a three-star match. I wouldn't go four stars. Thought it was very, very good. Dax came off like a baby face, uh, I believe, on his Instagram, on his Instagram, on his Twitter. He uh, showed highlights of uh, himself getting a standing ovation from the crowd and getting a big reaction, and that was cool. Good for him. Um, I thought it was a good match. Not great, but still another awesome week and awesome performance by Dax. I loved Adam Cole putting in the, the, the sharpshooter at the end there too to solidify the win. That's just perfect. Adam Cole being a heel piece of shit. And you'll go on and we'll work 2-0 and in the, the bracket. Gotta love that. Yep, good to see the way that it ended with, with that. Kind of similar to the way that I felt about Punk using the uh, the buckshot to finish off silver, seeing, you know, seeing Dax lose on the sharpshooter with how much he's been paying homage to Bret Hart lately. Uh, thought it was a good way to do it. I'm kind of done seeing FTR do these uh, tributes to Bret at this point, though. So I'm kind of hoping that those slow down. I was just going to go off on that, too. I, I, I'm glad that they had restraint and they did do a um, Bret versus Sean match. Totally, and they and they do a lot of spots that was all about Sean uh, as Adam Cole's favorite son, and doing that kind of a thing because I think it distracts from the purpose of the tournament, which is to honor Owen. And I know there's a lot of hypersensitivity with the Hart family about Sean and just Brett, and they can get sensitive and upset about things. 
and it's very real to them. So it was nice that they just didn't involve that and completely skip that. Now, one thing I did want to mention, it was cool to see Dr. Martha Hart there too. That was great to see her. You never, we haven't seen her on TV really forever. And the first time we really saw her in a featured role was on dark side, which we'll get to later on in the show. <laughs> um, but I love how uh, this week you would see her in the crowd. She'd be, she was watching the matches, enjoying it. But she wasn't uh, she wasn't featured during Darby and uh, Jeff Hardy. We'll also get to later. I, just, I wonder why my thoughts on that. But um, it was cool to see her and uh, glad that they had a good show and just nice to see them enjoying wrestling again. And they get to have a better ending to the original ending that they had. I loved her reaction to the end of Tony Storm and uh, Jamie Hayter, just the throwing her hands up. Woo! And I love too that there's just been no chicanery, no fuckery throughout these message, mess, uh, match, matches. They just let it happen, let it be for the the match it is in the ring, and it's beautiful. It's a good tribute to Owen Hart. Cool. All right. Well, let's go into our moment of the week, um, Alex. Let's start off with you. What was your moment of the week? I think it was the thing that had that everybody loved this week. The universally loved MJF and Wardlow segment seeing uh, the contract signing. There was just so many great things. First of all, we talk about Punk being a heel and Long Island being great. I also love how much of a just corny baby face MJF is whenever he's in Long Island, just soaking it all up and playing to the crowd. And everything about that was great. The dark side of the ring uh, spoof, especially having Jericho as the narrator, then halfway through catching who he's talking for and then saying, eh, well, I'm getting paid. Who cares? Loved that little just kind of acknowledgement of the fact that he was doing that. Slice of reality. <laughs> so, so good with that. And then uh, going into the actual segment, having Sean Spears hit the 10 on uh, on the old war dog and, and having the whole like wink, wink to the crowd of like, please don't boo Wardlow. I just thought everything they did on that was <clears throat> very, very, uh, it was like over the top wrestling and the best way possible. And I'm really excited for this match. I think that, I mean, didn't they do the same exact thing essentially with Cody and MJF, right? The the 10 lashes and then the cage match. I don't necessarily love that they're revisiting the lashes thing. I don't need to really see that again, but um, otherwise I thought it was just about a perfect segment. They, I wanted to make honestly uh, Dan Housen and hook, and their, you know, their alliance being official, my moment of the week, but I, I couldn't in my right mind uh, not make it this. One thing to interject, did um, did Wardlow lash Cody at all? Or was it strictly all MJF that was doing it? I do not remember. The thing that I do remember, though, is like at least they've referenced that Wardlow is shitty in the cage because he does have a bad. He's never won a cage match. He's like what zero and two or zero and three. So at least like yeah. there's a little bit of intelligence there of like, well, he's going to lose anyways. That's why it's okay for me to be in there alone with him. I thought that was kind of mm. clever. Um, Sean, what were your thoughts on the segment? Uh, I love the whole thing. Everything Alex said is great. Uh, the brash arrogance of MJF just to be like, I'm in my hometown. Nothing can go wrong. Of course, something's going to go wrong when you unlock someone you put in cuffs all all month. Perfect. Uh, I would like to draw the, the line in the sand right now. I stand with Barry. Sean Dean is a jobber. I would love to know where you guys stand, but just fantastic. Can't wait for this match. This will definitely be a real heated uh, beatdown. Yeah. 
Sean, if he was a jobber, would he be undefeated against MJF this year? Crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. (laughs) Yeah, I love this segment. I like the fact that uh, he makes so much out of so little. These contract signing segments are kind of death. They've been so overdone. They're not that entertaining, but when he does it, it feels fresh and inventive. And there couldn't have been a more inventive segment with the dark side of the ring stuff uh, showing um, what's his face. Uh, Harry Barry Horowitz as legendary Jewish wrestler and just showing his face with that eye with, with that scroll. Um, and then, of course, you know, making use of Jake Roberts, who's always in these goddamn dark side of the ring episodes and having him be on there too. It was great. It, it, it reminded me of when uh, not to invoke his name again, but Austin in 98, 99, every week he had like a wacky segment of like, Oh, what's Austin going to do with Vince? And he's going to drive a pickup truck and shoot cement out of it or whatever the fuck. MJF gets to do these kind of segments when it's his moment and he gets spotlight and he really gets to steal the show. And he does it in a way that's better than most wrestlers of all time. Uh, another great segment where he really hit it out of the ballpark and shows why he's really the best heel uh, in wrestling, if not the best heel in years. Uh, this is one of my favorite segments of the year. I don't think it was as good as his segment against uh, CM Punk, where he talked about his childhood and exaggerated aspects of it to get uh, CM Punk sympathy. But this was still an all-time classic segment. And it's nice, too, that AEW makes the most out of any time someone is local. That feels special. It makes the audience appreciative of the fact that you're there. This is your town. This is its special universe. And it feels cool. And it would be really fun to be a part of these shows. And that's what translates as opposed to like, well, let's humiliate JR and stick his ass and or stick his face in Vince's ass. Yeah. Like I just like this approach more of let's celebrate the hometown. Let's have fun as opposed to let's bury someone or let's have them turn heel for no good reason, just to get heat for the minute, because we don't want people at home to think this is a unique environment. Shout out to Sean Spears, too, for wearing all that white just in time before Labor Day hits. He's got a couple more months. He's got to <laughs> pull all those suits out. <laughs> okay, well, then let's move into what your news of the week is. Alex, what was on uh, your mind for news? I was struggling for news this week and then officially found out today that there was a that it's expected that we're going to get to see a Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair tag match at StarCast. Uh, this coming, I believe, uh, July or August. Okay. And um, that's going to be most likely a shit show, but I don't even care because it is uh, the Dragon and, and Flair. I love to see them do some sort of a tag match. Would love for it to be with FTR, uh, somebody who can take care of them in the ring and, and make them you know, still look like they somewhat know what they're doing. Um, hopefully they're not going on some tour after this of continuing to do this. I think as a one-off, something for a, you know, the StarCast audience and then hopefully, you know, viewable elsewhere. It's a intriguing idea and uh, excited to see who they end up getting as opponents there. We'll love it to be Enzo and Chaos. Just really take care of them. Do good for the business. I mean, Steamboat needs, I mean, he does need to learn how to work. I mean, and who better yeah. than Enzo? <laughs> He just doesn't know how to sell. Okay. Uh, Sean, what was your uh, news item of the week? My news item, uh, apparently Jim Duggan, according to his uh, him on his Instagram, is re-entering his cancer treatments. It felt like 
kind of as soon as we started this podcast is when he had to go in for some cancer treatments last. And it's just always sad to hear of a, a wrestling legend. Um, sounds and looks very well considering his age, career, and cancer throughout his older age. Hopefully he comes out on, uh, on top this time again, but just unfortunate to hear. Yeah, and he had a clean bill of health a couple of months ago, and it looked like things were in remission, so it's sad news to hear that. Um, Want to follow up on last week's uh, episode, I mentioned uh, being confused as to why um, Sonny, uh, Tammy Lee Cinch, is out of jail and out of bail, and uh, I saw the news item too today that she um, that the judge, I guess, reversed the decision, and she's... Um, behind bars again which it's a sad story don't get me wrong but i think maybe that's safer for the community it was very difficult to understand how someone could be um, accused of that crime and has a uh, track record of habitually uh, driving under the influence without a license is out in the community Um, so i mean again tragic news sad news but it looks like uh the court and the judge is doing something about it to to try to prevent uh something else bad from happening again um all right, this was my news item of the week, uh, the whole Kota Ibushi saga. Now, I don't know all the details. I don't know how well things translate from Japanese to English and getting the nuance of what was going on in that conversational thread. Um, from, from what I understand and sounds like is Kota Ibushi is very upset about uh, the atmosphere in New Japan and apparently made allusions to the fact that there's um, mob ties in New Japan and he was very upset about having to come back injured or asked to come back when he wasn't fully healthy. Um, again, I'm not a Japanese wasn't my second language. I don't know uh, how those things translate, but I hope everything's okay, but it just seems like things aren't going well and I don't know what translates and what doesn't. So it's a really odd story uh, that happened this past week. Um, on a lighter note, I guess the one thing that was funny about the whole scenario is that uh, video footage resurfaced of uh, Abushi trying to use a Sharpie, which admittedly was pretty fucking funny. Like, how do you not know what a Sharpie is? I like, have no clue like, how to open one, let alone use it or what its purpose was for. Um, yeah, that just made me laugh. I don't know, not to laugh at him, but what the hell that was just a very odd moment i didn't understand that in the slightest but hope everything is okay with him i just don't know what's going on and hopefully it's nothing serious where he's having um some sort of like a concussion issue and it's that like that's the side of it i hope that's not the case but it was an odd week and uh not sure what his future is in new japan yeah it was it was super weird i think to see all of like you know, some of the translations of what was being said, because I saw some people saying that it could be interpreted one way or the other, as you kind of mentioned, with us not being uh, fluent in Japanese, it's hard for us to truly understand what, it, you know, what the context was and, and not being able to hear him say it. Um, but it's, I mean, it seems like he's going full scorched earth. So you're, you've got to feel like there's some serious things going on. And uh, kind of hope he gets it figured out. I know that prior to him signing with New Japan, nobody expected him to ever sign a long-term deal anywhere because he kind of didn't give off the vibe to people that he was in, even interested in something like that. So, you know, I, I wonder if it's there's some feeling of constraint there too for, on his end of I need I want to get out of this, and you you wonder too what this will have as an effect on AEW potential for like a Golden Lovers reunion when 
AEW and New Japan are just now finally getting that fence fully kind of mended and they're doing Forbidden Door. You know, do they want to mess up the politics of things by signing Ibushi if he does get let go here? And if there's something legitimately wrong with him, too, you don't want mm-hmm. AEW can't take him then as well. If there's yeah. something not well with him, um, it just it, it it's a bad look for everyone. But, yeah, hopefully we'll know more about what the hell's going on. But it just doesn't translate. And I think I was and I texted you guys about this. I think I was like a lot of the people online on wrestling Twitter going, OK, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand any of this. What's happening? So hopefully we'll get some clarity on what's going on with Coda. Um, and hopefully he's well, and, you know, hopefully someone teaches him how to use a pen. Cause that's an important, uh, you know, life skill to, <laughs> to, to have, um, let's Truly. go into other cringes. Um, Alex, what was your cringe of the week? Oh, it feels like I talk about this every <laughs> week, right? Uh, I almost made it something else just to not talk about the TNT title, but I thought that, I was excited. I think I've talked about it on the show. I was excited about the fact that they did a full double turn with Sammy and Ty Conti versus, and then having Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page become faces. I, I liked that at least with them leaning into the Sammy stuff, then we would get face Sky and, and Page. And after the match, you know, they did the whole turn on Frankie Kazarian where Scorpio hit him with the title. And now, like, what are they doing? So at this point, there still seems to be some involvement with Sammy Guevara, right? So is it going to be a heel versus heel thing at double or nothing? Or is it going to be now like a triple threat where they'll put in a face somewhere? It's just super odd. It feels like it's it's almost like Tony gave somebody else the TNT title and said, all right, you get to book this, prove your abilities, and that person isn't doing it. Because it doesn't make sense that everything else is going fairly well within you know, the storylines of everything else and the TNT title just continues to be botched. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, it's not enjoyable. I don't even really care about it anymore. I just want them to get through this and, and find us a, a like reset it, give us a new champion and just completely forget about this feud that's been happening because it's getting to a point where it's, it's, you know, fast forward material. Yeah, totally. I agree what you said about just the, it's been a storyline that's just been going on for a little too long, all this nonsense. And it's been kind of nice with the other people who have held the title. It's not something that they just continue to be in the picture for. Darby's completely moved on from the TNT title and set storylines elsewhere. Miro's obviously injured. Um, but just continuing to see Sammy Guevara, no matter what happens with the TNT title, he's just always got to be around, has to be in the background sag, has to be at ringside with his girlfriend in an ugly, ugly, puffy jacket. Just, That's pretty awesome. I wouldn't the, go that far. Oh, oh, you like that? <laughs> yeah, mm. I do. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I'm ready for something else to be happening with the TNT title. You know what's happening? If he had that that jacket with uh, some CM Punk long boys, then he'd look really great. Then he'd be worthy of the TNT title. Mm. Yeah, how do you like that shit? Disavow. He, he could have it. Disavow. <laughs> he could have it then. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, I mean, I feel you guys too. I think Scorpio's been, um, what's the phrase? Done dirty. Uh, Frankie Kazarian was beating him for the title, and like, I don't like to get too hung up on like, oh, that finish made someone look weak and strong, but like, he was getting 
beaten with a full Nelson or whatever the fuck that move was, a chicken wing or something. It just wasn't the most effective, like offensive move to put on him. And then how would you not fucking know that someone interfered and like caused that person to get harmed that gave you the pin? Like it just didn't make any sense in stories over too. Like he didn't need to get um the yeah, the assist was silly. And I thought thought at first that it was gonna be, oh, okay, it's gonna be a breakup of Ethan Page and Scorpio, and that's great. Then it did the swerve, bro, and it just wasn't effective. And we're back to where we were before a couple weeks ago, and just no one wants to see this. And uh rumor has it that the Page Van Zant match, the mixtage match, was nixed because of the nasty reaction it would probably get or just people didn't want to see it so if that's the case why the fuck did you do this shit um it's a waste of scorp's talent because he's really great and you don't want to see him go like yeah why is the tnt title wasted on him give it to keith lee give it to swerve give it to whoever the hell um and that's too bad because uh this title should be about just wrestling every week and featuring great matches well said okay well rant over uh Sean, your time to shoot. What's on your mind? The rant's not over. Kota Ibushi had his bone to pick with New Japan, and I've got mine too. I shouldn't <laughs> be paying even more for a, a, a United States pay-per-view because I already pay for New Japan World. It's just ridiculous. I don't know if it has to do with something because they they dealing with fight or something now. I just hate to see that I have to pay for that as soon as I'm about to go on and watch a, a great wrestling pay-per-view. I'm shut out. For a couple weeks till it's available on demand, but it gives very little reason to subscribe to New Japan World. Yeah, like you can't actually utilize it for what you want to utilize it for. It's better not happen with the Kingdom Show, and especially with what, what because of what Fight TV's great technology and great mic yeah. skills and camera work. Like, come on, like that's a just a high school production in itself. I'm outraged yeah, yeah. that Sean is paying the money that I'm stealing his password for. Yeah, yeah. This is, you're, you're not just bringing me down. You're bringing yeah. multiple people down. We're Dude. all hurt by this. The non-Gator wrestling faction of this of this show is very hurt by this. <laughs> Nine hundred ninety-nine yen. I yeah, I don't get it, and I don't think that it doesn't really make sense from a business standpoint to me to be making people do both. It's like how. Um, what is that? What's that boxing one? Dizone or whatever it's called. Yeah. They make you, you have to subscribe for 20 bucks a month and then you can buy a pay-per-view through them. And the pay-per-views aren't any cheaper than a normal pay-per-view. It makes no sense. I don't think that you're going to build up an audience in that manner, but um, ultimately like it just means that I'm not going to watch their pay-per-views because I'm not going to pay extra for it. I think the only company really that puts out pay-per-views that are worth paying beyond a, Nine ninety nine a month for is AEW, and that's yep. what we continue to pay for. And uh, up until up until now, I used to be able to watch New Japan stuff uh, as a part of Sean's payments, and that was that was all I needed. There's no room in the wrestling elitist budget for these <laughs> twenty nine ninety nine yeah. pay per view bullshits. I would be really yeah. upset if the G one is like individual shows. That would be such a bummer. <laughs> uh, like, no. Uh, oh. Thankfully, hopefully it's just these U.S. shows that they're doing. Everything else has been normal, $9.99. So let's let's keep it that way, New Japan. Yeah, I think think it's something with uh, the fight contract that they have because why would anybody get fight if they could just 
pay ten dollars and get yeah. get the entire the thing. world. But if our accountant's saying it's not in the budget, it's not in the budget. It's oh, in the books. Oh shit! All right. Well, um, my cringe isn't as stern as your guys's. I just get worried about Darby Allen. That's all. <laughs> Watching that match, I just got nervous for him. When he was putting those chairs out, I was like, "Oh fuck, you know. don't do this!" And then his like, like even his back tattoo or the paint was like his like spine coming out, and it's like, "Oh, that's gonna happen to you one day, dude!" Like I, and maybe tonight's the night. And sure enough, it looked like it could have been if he was just like centimeters angled differently. Like that could have been lights out and picture wrap for our old boy Darby. I just don't want to see it. And then Jeff is, he's difficult to watch too. Like he's hurting and um, it's not entertaining for me to see a man in his forties really beat up like that and taking high risk bumps. Um, They meant so much. Jeff meant so much to me as a kid, as a teenager, but I don't want to see him fall off uh, high places and land on his back unprotected. It just isn't entertaining. And I just feel bad and I don't want to worry about the guy, but I think these two are kind of much like flair. They probably wouldn't be like, if you were like, if you said, Hey, you're going to die in the ring, they'd be like, okay. Yeah. And it just, it's kind of a creepy Dar- thought. Darby definitely wrestles. Like he doesn't plan to wrestle for a very long time here for a good and time. Like a every, long time. like every, every match is potentially his last. I think I texted you guys when I was watching the, that match. Like I immediately was like, this somehow is exceeding what I thought the craziness would be for this. And what's scary is I do believe that they had Jeff win because they want Darby to get his crowning moment over Jeff in a later time when it's not about the tournament. And it means a little bit more, whether it's like for a TNT title type of a thing or something like that, because everybody's since even before AEW's time, people compared him to Jeff Hardy because of his reckless style. So I do think that this is going to get run back again. And if that was part one, uh, what happens next? I don't even want to know um, that thud from when he hit the the side of the ring, hardest part of the ring mm. uh, was disgusting. Obviously, that ladder that that jump was insane. Uh, my first thought when I saw that was, I'm glad I wasn't at that show live. I wouldn't have been able to watch that. It, like it, it sucks to watch that on TV, but in person, I would have been, I would have been so uncomfortable with it. And it was still an enjoyable match. I do want to say that uh, bonus cringe of the week for me though was the finish because they keep saying that Jeff countered the, uh, the coffin drop there. He didn't counter it. He just kicked out at two and then turned it's it in like pinned him. Yeah. Yeah. He just pinned him. And that's been one of the, the most protected finishers. And he essentially kicked out of it. If he would have kind of transitioned as he was landing on him for the, um, you know, for the coffin drop and then got the one, two, three, then, okay, that's a, that's a counter. Totally. All he did was kick out of it and then pin him and then win. So didn't love that either, but uh, it was still an entertaining thing, but it, it definitely uncomfortable at times they hit the over an amount of times you could say holy shit at different times in a match (laughs) it it was insane to see i definitely agree with you with the the bigger match to come later on when the match can mean something more about them than the owen hart foundation and tournament don't know that i want to see that day but i i did enjoy the match but i i do fear for their safety especially when they're diving that far onto the backs of chairs 
And you notice how you didn't see Dr. Martha Hart at all during this match. And so I was thinking, like, what if it was the opposite as opposed to just being like, what is this shit? She was just super into it. <laughs> just like marking out so hard and she's mouthing, like, get the fucking pizza cutter. Like, she's she's pe- all like, she loves Nick Gage. Like, that's her favorite wrestler. She's got half her pace face painted Darby, the other fat, uh, the closed eye of Jeff Hardy. She's just doing the Jeff Hardy weird ass dance and shit. Whatever like, they she's call just it. super into it. The juke, the juke, the juke, oh, man. Ugh. But no, that was so kind crazy. of like, that also is telling in a way though, that like, she's like, I'm not fucking watching this shit. Or like, there's no usable shot of her face. Cause she's just not feeling it. Just mortified. Um, I mean, left. again, Hey, AW is very much in the mold of ECW. Uh, there's always a place for hardcore wrestling and a little bit more extreme and violent content. It's just not our thing. So hopefully they're safe, but, uh, Jesus Christ. It just makes me worry about Darby. Like I, I fear that this guy's going to be more banged up than Mick at the end of his career. And the way he talked in the, um, the video package promo, just like screw the rules. I already asked Tony to, to do it all. It's just like, you, you know, he feels this way. It's just almost disturbing how big of like a sadist masochist i don't know if that's the right one but just jesus christ that. yeah has to be yeah all right well let's look into what we're anticipating for the week ahead uh alex what are you looking forward to for next week's shows well i believe tony khan probably has two major announcements and it's two new signings is my hope that are the jokers for the Owen Hart tournament, both on the male and female side. So I think that seeing who those are is big to me. I'm more and more thinking conspiracy in my own head that it's Johnny Gargano on one side and then Candice LeRae on the other side, uh, bringing the couple together and they each get to be the Jokers. I'm kind of hoping it's not. I like Johnny. He's great. I think he'd fit in well at AEW, but I just really, really, really want it to be Claudio. And I'm at a point where I'll be disappointed if it's anyone other than him, just because he could instantly come in and just have a great program with so many people. It, you know, it makes me excited for basically the next year, all the feuds that he could be having, whether there's a title involved or not. So that is what I have as kind of the big thing that I'm, I'm really looking forward to this week. I'm also anticipating the jokers this week. Uh, Claudio would be great. I think him and Joe would be a great pairing. I'm still going to go with my um, initial choice of Jay white being the kind of not the biggest surprise and maybe it's Jay White and uh, Adam Cole for the love and soul of the elite and bullet club in the final. Maybe that's what they're going to do. My women's brackets completely fucked because I thought Jamie Hayter was going to go all the way. So I completely am at what's end about what's going to happen now. I don't know. I'm assuming now it's going to be Dr. Britt Baker that wins the whole thing, or maybe it will be uh, Athena as the other joke S or joke joke Chris. Jokeris. Jokeris. And then uh, I'm also excited to see Hangman defend the title um, against our uh, good friend from DDT. Yep. Now say his name. Pat McAfee. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey, yeah. Look at that shit. How do you like it? Takashita. Good job. Brian Danielson. Brian Daniels. There you go. Yeah. Look Sean, what are your thoughts on the Jokers? Um, I I still think it is going to be Athena. I think, like Chris said, Jamie Hader kind of losing and losing that storyline of Britain, uh, Jamie. Just 
really takes me into hoping that it is Athena, that she just runs the runs the bracket and takes the title or trophy, whatever they get out of this. Um, and I'm I don't know. I feel like there's still just not been that much fanfare that I don't know that's going to be someone big like we want it to be if Claudio Castan. I'm not going to even try to say his last name that one. We've we're on a good roll. Uh, just. I feel like it's going to be someone we've seen before. Me and Mira would be great, but the hopes and dreams of someone coming in who's not been there just doesn't really seem to be hidden hidden for me. But I'm also looking forward to Kyle O'Reilly and Phoenix going off. Uh, those two styles I love when they get in the ring together. Kyle O'Reilly's going to do a great job of trying to go for the ankles, probably go target the arm if he can, if that's allowed with uh, his uh, rehab and physical therapy. But that's just going to be a fantastic match. And I'd love to see Kyle O'Reilly go far in this tournament. Fuck. Yeah. I loved his scouting that he did on rampage. Just taking <laughs> for the top, licking his pen and taking notes down. Yeah, he's such a, such a character. That was a great he's segment. A you know, it also was like super underrated this week. Who would have thought I would ever say this, but Billy Gunn like was awesome. Oh, he's he's getting so good. Yeah, that was so great. That was an awesome segment. Like I, it wasn't the moment of the week he would beat the MJF one, but goddamn, that was great. How he hates his own kids and they call him daddy, and he's oh. embarrassed by them. Ah, oh, just good shit. So embarrassed, so embarrassed. That's great. It's love it. Beautiful. Everyone's scissoring in. It's exactly how I would be if I was Billy Gunn. The joyous moment when they find out they're on Monday night. Dark elevation. Oh, God. <laughs> Dark elevation. Oh, good. <sighs> well, that'll wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening again. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. If you like the show, please share it with your friends that are wrestling fans uh, to help us organically build our huge platform. Speaking of huge platforms, we're all over. Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Latest Podcast. So please follow us there. And finally, please visit our website at WrestlingLatest.com to get our latest match ratings and articles. Rick Rude, send us home. See you later, alligators. Hit the music.